This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The fact that I had done this whole trip completely by myself and was so capable the entire time Mm -hmm. and was so taken care of the entire time that I realized that I'm never fully abandoned because I'll never abandon myself. No matter who dies, no matter who leaves, no matter what happens in the world, if I'm here with myself and I love that person, then I have someone that's always going to have my back. And that was a really big turning point for me. Let's take a breath. (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Lutwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here and you're listening. If you are new, welcome. If you're returning, thanks for coming back. Um, Today's episode, we have Gabrielle Stone on the podcast. She has a New York Times bestseller, Eat, Pray, FML, and she just recently came out with a new book when we recorded this episode. The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. So that's newly out. So you guys need to read her books. I was actually, I discovered her by flipping through TikTok of all places. And I was just so moved by her story and how confident and unapologetic she was. The way that she had overcome her husband cheating on her, getting a divorce and finding a new love and then going on this insane adventure across Europe to find herself to find for what I gathered was the real meaning of love, love of self, love in relationships, and what we all deserve. And I think that there's so many great themes in this book and a lot that I think you guys can relate to, you know, those ups and downs of relationships or believing that the love that you have is the thing or it's he's the one. But I think with her experiences and what she's going to talk about on today's podcast, I think there's a lot of good insights on what love should look like and what it can be disguised as in many different forms that can be deceiving. So I think you're going to love this episode. Like I said, we cover topics of love, grief, um, overcoming hardships, overcoming basically your whole world's being 
turned upside down um, from divorce to this adventure that she has finding herself in ways that we can apply these huge transformations that Gabrielle went through into our own lives. And I think it doesn't have to be a crazy adventure like she went on, but I think a lot of the things that she discovered about herself through her journey and through her writings is a way that she can help us all discover those things within ourselves just by reading her words or hearing from her. And like I said, I think this episode is going to touch a lot of you. At least I hope it will. So make sure that you give it a listen. And if you guys want to read her books, I'll link all of her books, her audiobooks below so you can just click and start reading. But you don't have to have read the books beforehand. I think this is just a great insight into her world. And like I said, amazing, amazing discussions. Besides that, my something to share, I actually just went to New York City this past weekend. I had a friend's wedding who I am very good friends with. I spent a lot of time with her while I was living in New York City a few years ago. It was very surreal. I think the trip was a very interesting experience. Yes, because it's New York City post lockdowns and reliving parts of my life that I have let go or that I move on from. And I got a lot of questions about people asking if I miss New York City or if I regret leaving or if I ever want to go back. And I, I think this trip was really interesting for me because it helped me to remember certain parts of myself that I was at the time. And I'm remembering myself living in New York City. I think looking back now, I was in New York City for the opportunity more than I was there for the actual city. The city was incredible. I went to school there, so I spent a lot of time there and I've had a lot of ups and downs, Um, lived all different types of lives in New York from being a broke college student to a broke post-college grad person and living and working and auditioning, doing all the things that you do in New York. And I just, I think what I have let myself move on from is the chasing of the grind and just being busy. I think that was my, most of my time spent in New York was just me trying to look, feel, and be busy. I just felt like it was a facade that I was putting up because I felt like I had to in New York. And I think with this past year and just over time, I have learned, and I think a lot of us have learned this, that we don't have to just feel and be busy to be productive or to be worthy. I think that a lot of the time society or just our general pressures that we all have on ourselves, it's this idea of just constantly trying to be busy and chasing after things and on the grind and just feeling like you have to work all hours of the day to really feel like you accomplish something, which is all great. But sometimes it's just nice to feel less like you're being pulled in a million different directions. I've realized from my time living in New York that it's better, at least for me personally, just to allow myself to do less and focus in more on what is working versus going against the grain so much. And I keep saying that, but I feel like that's what New York felt like to me is just constantly going against the grain and like walking uphill on a slippery ground. But I know everyone's experiences with New York is different. And I think it was less just the city, just more of my mindset while I was there. And I've just realized moving away from that, moving away from bigger cities, that it is nice to not feel so exhausted all the time. It's nice not to feel like everything is hard. Yeah, that's the only way I can really describe it. I just remember so many times where New York and LA were just hard. There was not a lot of ease to those cities for me. So what I've learned from that, coming away from it, because I had a lot of fear leaving bigger cities because you're always told like that's where the action is, that's where things happen, that's where your dreams are. And I think they all have great elements and I 
I'm not knocking anyone that lives there or anything. I just think that it's nice to know that every city has beautiful elements and opportunities. And I think if you really look for them, you can find them and that they exist. It's nice to go back to a city that you spent so many years in. And it just reminds you of the person that you were at the time, the person that you have grown now to be. Like I saw a lot of changes in myself just from coming back to New York and who I am now. I feel like I'm more myself now and I've stopped looking outside of myself, outside of in my environment to see who I am. And the person I am now is just who I actually am. It's cool to see the growth that I have experienced since the time I lived there. And I think it's just like a nice reminder when you get to go back into an old environment or old ways of doing things and just seeing how different you might be. And that can be good or bad, but for me, it was just, it was nice to see that I had grown, that I had opened up my eyes and my mind a little bit more to other ways of living and other ways of being. I also think that everyone should live in New York at some place, at some time in their life or a big city just to develop all of the life skills and the thick skin that that city and those larger cities will definitely do to you. It helped me realize all the lessons and the things that I had learned during my time there and how strong it made me and how it formed me into the person that I am now. And I think only a city like New York can do that because it will take you to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And both of those things can happen within the span of one day, which is pretty incredible and unique. So if you're looking for a roller coaster, definitely um, try moving to one of those cities. (laughs) I think that's all I have to share today. That's my something to share. I love when you guys write reviews and share this episode with friends, family, when you tag us on Instagram. I always will repost you if you do. So you can tag us at something to share podcast on Instagram or tag me, Sydney Latwako. Um, I just love to hear that you're listening and what you thought of the episodes and any guests that you want to have on. I'm always all ears and I always love connecting with all of you on another level. So without further ado, guys, please enjoy this episode with Gabrielle. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
Gabrielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to sit down with you. I've been reading your book for the past few weeks and to meet you in person. I'm really excited about it and I'm just happy you're here. How are you? Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here uh, and I'm good. It's been a crazy, hectic, busy month, but it's all good things. Amazing. Are you still in LA and acting and all of that stuff? I am. Uh I am. I'm in LA, born and raised, although I must say the last year and a half of my life, especially with COVID has Mm -hmm. definitely been more author focused than in front of the camera, but yes, still acting, still directing and all the things. (laughs) Yeah, I get that life. I was, uh, I'm a dancer and I was dancing right at the beginning of the pandemic on tour and then it all just fizzled away. So then I've been working on leaning into other aspects of career, which has been all awesome as well, but I totally what get What tour that were life. you on? Um, so I was on The Bachelor and we did a live I, I tour. do know that. I, yes. I am a, I'm a reality TV fan. <laughs> Love that. Um, so we were doing a live tour of, it was basically the full season put into one evening and we went from city to city and had live dates on stage and had a local bachelor and had all the girls from the town date this local bachelor on stage. We made them do like lip sync battles and all kinds of crazy things. How did I not know about this? This is genius. It it was awesome. It was very short lived because of the pandemic. Maybe it'll come back one day, but that was what I was doing right before everything hit. So I get, I get the life. (laughs) It was very fun. But anyways, enough of me. Um, I want to get into you. I have a million questions, but before we jump into like the interview stuff, I want to ask you the question I ask everyone um, as our little icebreaker, anything that you have that's either with an interesting backstory or from your nightstand or anything that you can share with us today. I actually got really excited when I saw that one of the questions was what's on your nightstand. I was like, oh, I have such a good one. And I didn't know that you were reading the book before this, which is awesome because it'll make it that much cooler. So This is my journal Mm -hmm. that I bought two days before my Europe trip that I went on. And I started writing the first day I landed in London and wrote three fourths of my book on that Mm -hmm. Europe trip. So it's not like I was just journaling and then came back and, you know, turned it into a book. If you open it, it literally has chapter one. And it's exact, it's so close to how the finished book ended up being. And honestly, this is probably my most, you know, sacred, meaningful possession that cost me like $17.99 at Barnes and Noble. And it's wild to see that that turned into this guy. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, And it sits on my nightstand um, to remind me of, you know, really like where all of it began and where it started. And it's a lot of my heart is is on those pages. So that's that's what's on my nightstand. <laughs> that's incredible. I love the reminder. And I, I actually had a question about that because I was wondering if you had gone into that Europe trip. We can get into how that all started, but going into it thinking, okay, like I'm writing a book, it's going to be this, or if you were just journaling out your thoughts and it turned into a book. So that's interesting that you had the intention. I know that you had talked to a psychic and she had told you to be writing and you were a writer, but I love that you had that intention going into the trip. And the fact that you wrote it all out by hand is actually really impressive. And I feel like not a lot of people do that as much anymore. Thank you. Um, I think it's really therapeutic. There's something about physically using your hand to write on pages of a paper that like somehow releases the trauma that you're writing about in a Mm -hmm. very different way than when you're typing. 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, there's also, you're not afforded the, the delete button. So you end up word vomiting a lot more than you would think to then go back and, and look at and reread and edit, which is really interesting. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm sure. And then you can see even I feel like the emotions even more by looking at the way you wrote things or doodles or whatever your mind was at at that time, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I remember you said that an owl was kind of your spirit animal or the animal that you see. And I feel very strongly about that because I had a relative that passed and she had told me that when she was going to come back or if she ever reincarnated, she wanted to be a butterfly. And I think that's oh. been become my spirit animal or yeah. I'll see that in places when I'm feeling like weird or off or need like a sign like that's my spirit animal. Does it work the same for you with owls or how does that play a role in your life? Yeah, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, So my dad passed when I was six years old, pretty tragically. Mm-hmm. And right after he passed the following Father's Day, my mom and I planted this tree kind of in honor of him and for Father's Day in our backyard. And that night that we planted it, this owl came and sat in the tree and was just very vocal, like the whole night. And, you know, my mom kind of made a joke and she's like, see, that's daddy saying hi. And ever since then I have had not, you know, Oh, cool. You know, there's an owl, you know, trinket or whatever, Mm -hmm. very weirdly unexplainable signs. Like we, I remember when we were in uh, South Africa for my mom shooting a film when I was younger in the middle of the daylight, I had gone down to the the second level library and there was an owl in broad daylight sitting in the tree right wow. outside, like stuff like that. Like owls will swoop across my car when I'm driving. And it's, it's always been kind of like my sign that connects me to him. I love that. What a powerful spirit animal. Like those are, so, I feel like I've seen an owl twice in my life. Right. And the fact that you've seen this many is, it has to be a sign. That's incredible. So when I saw the journal at Barnes and Noble, it was like, you know, had a big owl on the front. This is it. This is the one. <laughs> yeah. I love those signs that you're being guided in some bigger way, even if it's just like little reminders only for yourself. Yeah. And you have to pay attention to those because otherwise life is just too hard (laughs) to not believe in those little magical moments. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever is going to get you by truly at the end of the day. Yeah. Whatever works, guys. (laughs) Exactly. Um, One more question. It can be related to that or anything really broad. Um, Anything on your heart or mind lately that you want to talk through? Yeah. I mean, for me, I've been getting ready to publish the second book. Um, it actually is releasing this week. Um, so by the time this airs, it will be out. Um, and it's been this whirlwind of, you know, putting another personal journey of mine out there. And with all of that, it's been high stress, high anxiety in a personal sense, but then everything that's going on in the world right now in Mm -hmm. Afghanistan, um, the fires up in Tahoe, like so much of the world is in so much distress that it's been really hard to find that calming balance. Um, like it almost seems like what in my life really matters that much when so much is going on in the world in such a grander, more dire scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just been kind of trying to find the the peace within it all. Because if we if we go into the drama and the fear of it, it becomes very overwhelming. So mm-hmm. it's been trying to just like take a step back and 
doing the work as far as like holding the peace and trying to like send light and, and not go into the, the chaos of it all. Yeah. That's, it's tough because you want to be present in what's going on in the world and aware and it affects everyone, but then it's also like how much of it can you handle in order to continue like living the life that you need to lead, like honoring both sides of that. Um, yeah, it's tough. And it's special. I feel like it's constantly something. And especially now it's a lot of heartache and just really hard things going on and a lot of unknowns too with all of that. So yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to be creative when things like that are happening around you as well. It's it's difficult to, to think that anything you're doing matters um, yeah. when there's such bigger issues at play. But I think what I keep coming back to is like for me personally, when I connect with my readers and they tell me that the book has given them an outlet, um, Mm -hmm. that's become my purpose. So Mm -hmm. no, I can't, you know, go over to Afghanistan and like help save all these people um, Mm -hmm. or go put out all these fires that are popping up around the world. Um, But I can put out art that's going to allow other people to heal and escape and kind of have an outlet for themselves. Absolutely. What was the purpose behind this second book? Because I know the first one was kind of a birth out of a divorce that you had and this crazy story. What does the second book look like for you? So the second one, it's a direct sequel. It picks Mm -hmm. up right when I get back from Europe. Um, Mm. It's over a longer time span. It spans two years over my life. And I always kind of joke in a not really joking way that I wrote Eat, Pray, FML for myself and The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. I wrote for all of the people that connected so much with the first one because Mm -hmm. everybody wanted answers. Everybody wanted more. Um, Not to say that it didn't do wondrous things for me to write it, um, but it was a different experience and it was definitely more difficult of an experience for me. Mm. So we pick up at the end of the first book. You had gotten back from Europe. You had gone through multiple heartbreaks. So I can't imagine what the second one's going to bring. But I want to go back to the first one because that's the one I've read the most recent. Now I'm where it all began. Where it all began. So I actually got to know you, or like I found out about your book and all that you were doing by flipping through TikTok. And you had this video of you talking about like all the things you'd gone through and your divorce, your husband cheating, all of these things. And I was like, who is this? I need to know. I need to know more. It's one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. So can you just walk me back to the beginning of where this whole journey for you began? Yes. Uh, So I was married for almost two years. We had been together for five years. He proposed pretty quickly after eight months. And then we were engaged for two years, had this beautiful dream wedding um, and everything seemed pretty, pretty great. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was nearing our two-year anniversary that, you know, the last six months started to get rocky. Um, I didn't understand why we started going to therapy. I was working my ass off to try and Mm -hmm. get back to a place of happiness. And it just wasn't working. It was like, you know, walking into a wall. And eventually I discovered that he had been having an affair with a 19 year old for six months. Um, since the book has blown up, um, I've been reached out to by other women, um, with, with stories and apologies. Um, so I, I don't know how many people, you know, he was stepping out of our marriage for, but I do know that the 19 year old was the most 
consistent and they were in a full on relationship. Um, so I found this out, filed for divorce, left. Um, it felt like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. I really feel like I dodged an army of snipers when, Mm -hmm. when he gave me such a clear out. Mm -hmm. Um, and shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell head over heels in love with each other, had this whirlwind romance. And he invited me to join him on a month long trip to Italy, met his family. Everything was amazing. We were like, this is it. This is why the divorce happened. You know, Mm -hmm. he was telling his friends, this is the woman I'm going to be with forever and have babies with like, we're done 48 hours before we were getting on a plane. He tells me he needs to go by himself and breaks up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. Like he broke my heart. Like my ex-husband never could have done. Mm -hmm. And sitting on my bed in a pool of tears, (laughs) I said, okay, well, Gabrielle, you have a decision to make. And that's either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by yourself. So I took a backpack and I did six countries over the span of the month and wrote, eat, pray, FML about it. The best, the best title on planet earth. (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah, there's so many layers to this story too. And I think what's the one of the main things that like stuck out to me was this was your realization with your husband cheating on you and then you guys getting divorced that the love that you had for him wasn't actually like full love in comparison to the love that you had with the new guy. We'll call him Javier because that's his name in the book. And I think that's so interesting. And I think you related it to this kind of wall you put up around love where you because of what happened to you when you were younger with your father dying so young, you had this idea about love that when I love someone, they die essentially was like this built up thing that you realized along the process. So talk me through like the differences between the two and your realization of that, because I think that's very, such an interesting thing. And I don't think people can always realize that love can look differently for different people. So like, what was that process like for you of of realizing that? Yeah, it can really look different in so many different ways. And I've experienced that, you know, with different men that I've been with over my life. So I lost my dad when I was six years old. Um, And from then it really instilled in me the belief that when I love someone, they die. Um, It was the first man I ever loved. He was taken away. You know, when I love someone, they die. When I love someone, they leave. And Mm -hmm. ultimately fear of abandonment. Yeah. So you never really get over that, but you know, you heal and you do your work and you know, it, it, time makes everything better. And then when I was 18, I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So that ripped that scab right off and the wound wide open again. Um, so this was now the second man that I loved when I love someone, they die when I love Mm -hmm. someone, they leave. Um, and so I had the realization that I married my ex-husband because I wasn't fully in love with him. So subconsciously that made him safe. Mm. I I was protected because if I didn't fully love him, you know, then he wouldn't die on me. Obviously I didn't know that when I accepted a proposal or walked down the aisle, like you never do that thinking that you're going to get divorced. Um, and it wasn't until I was sitting with Javier when he was, confiding in me about some of his grief with the the passing of his brother 
that I put all of that together. And Mm -hmm. he, he basically told me, you know, I'm scared to death that if I love anyone as much as I loved my brother, they're going to die on me. And I was like, dude, I know that belief so well. I've lived with that my entire life. Like I loved my dad and he died. I loved my high school sweetheart and he died. And then I married my ex-husband because I didn't fully love him and he was safe. And it was like this huge realization that I had. And it, it really in that moment was like, I have to shift this belief or I'm Mm -hmm. going to keep creating it over and over again in my life. Um, so when, when I found out that I was going to be going on this trip by myself as devastated and heartbroken as I was, I knew in that moment that it was all happening for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. the universe was literally giving me a clear way to go face all that shit head on to go heal that. You know, like you're going to be completely alone and go across the world and be fine and learn that you don't need anyone in your life, you know? And it was, it really, like, if you look back at the blueprint of my life, it makes so much sense how everything led me to something else. Um, But it was, it's definitely been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn is that fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Which I think we all have in some regard. It's like I'm thinking about that too, being in a relationship. I'm like the worst thing that could ever happen is if something happened to him or if he left thinking about that, which I think we all have that fear deep down. But I think yours is unique because you actually experienced that in a way like twice in your life. And then it kind of manifested in a different version of yourself because later on you weren't facing that wound. And this ripped it open and forced you to look at it, which is really deep and really hard, but like ultimately led, I think, to this huge growth that you experienced after that. So once you realize that for yourself, like how did you heal that wound? Because that's not something that you just like realize and then put a bandaid over it or stitch it up and you're fixed. Like how did you overcome that in now newer relationships? And I I don't want to make people think that it's just something that, you know, you can fly off to Europe and everything will be great. Um, that type of fear when it's been with you from such a pivotal young age, it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still things now in my current relationship that trigger that. Um, I just am lucky enough to have a partner who is so conscious of that, that he makes sure to like not poke at those triggers when they mm-hmm. do arise. But I definitely have come a long way in healing things around my, my fear of abandonment. And I think the biggest thing was at the end of my Europe trip, I had gone through so much and there had been so many heartbreaks and so many hard things. And the fact that I had done this whole trip completely by myself and was so capable the entire time Mm -hmm. and was so taken care of the entire time that I realized that I'm never fully abandoned because I'll never abandon myself. Mm. And to have that realization and know that no matter who dies, no matter who leaves, no matter what happens in the world, if I'm here with myself and I love that person, Mm. then I have someone that's always going to have my back. And that was a really big turning point for me. Wow. That's major. Yeah. Because you can't leave yourself. You're always there. Um, and I think we we don't always get a chance to remove everything from our lives to realize that or to really take a look on that head on. So it's so nice that you've had this trip. But I think a lot of people can find that for themselves. It doesn't have to, like you said, be a Europe trip where you, you, this, everything gets like thrown up in the air and you take this huge shift in your life. It can just be like a conscious process of that or just knowing that within yourself. 
but I yeah, think that's I, definitely I, useful. I, I think it can be as simple as, you know, my readers that have read those words in my book and then Mm -hmm. they have that realization, you know, I just needed it on a much grander scale from the amount of years that I believed the opposite. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to go back to the beginning when you realized that your husband was cheating, because I think this is kind of funny in a way, because we all have that one friend that we call up, say, when we're dating, or we need to know more information about someone. And they have this keen ability to just dig up every single thing from someone's past. You seem to have this on like a crazy scale. So talk (laughs) me through when you got the little breadcrumbs of when you thought he might be cheating or lying to you or something like how you took that little breadcrumb and found out everything that you found out because it was impressive. (laughs) I mean, honestly, looking back on it, I, you know, people sometimes are like, God, did he want to get caught? Cause it was like, you put your phone in a sock drawer when like, I'm the only person that does laundry in the house, like things like that. It was just like, not smart, like not locking your, your big, you know, iMac computer when you leave and leaving your email open on the main screen. Like I still till this day, couldn't tell you his email password. The Mm. only reason I found everything that I found was because he left it open on the computer. And so when I was in there getting stuff out of the filing cabinet, it literally started dinging and caught my attention. And that was all I needed. But I guess the most impressive thing that people kind of hone in on, which I I'll take credit for, um, is once I found everything in the trash emails, um, and this is obviously all in the book, but um, once I found everything in the trash emails, it was not his name that he had booked his the hotel stays and the, the couple's massage and everything under. It was a different name, which I ended up <laughs> using as his character name in oh, the book, <laughs> um, which is like just a fun little tidbit. Um, so poetic. But, yeah. So I called the Four Seasons where mm-hmm. the reservation was and the four, the, the four seasons that we had been to multiple times. That was a mile and a half down from our house. And I got on the phone with the spa and in this like overly cheer, cheery voice was like, hi, um, my, my husband and I came in a little, a little while ago and we're doing our taxes. We're in the industry. So we book under a, a different name, but I can't remember what name we used. Could you tell me, which fucking makes no sense. No sense. Like no sense whatsoever. Why would you need the name that you, whatever. So <laughs> I, she's like, yeah, sure. Hold on. And she, she puts me on hold. My, my heart's like beating out of my freaking chest at this point. She gets back on the phone and she gives me the two names of the reservation. So I take the girl's name, look her up, happens to be posting pictures, very unclothed in Miami where my ex-husband is. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she was like live storing it and you got to basically see everything that you needed to see before he even got back. It's just the stupidity stupidity of it all is kind of impressive. Um, but I was impressed mostly by your CIA skills in order to find out all of this information, which I think in any regard, people under pressure could probably figure it out, but you had a very extra special skill. So I wanted to commend you on that. (laughs) I actually, when I sat down to like really write the book was like, I'm not even going to write about that. I'm just going to say, you know, I was cheated on, I got divorced and then all this stuff happened because it's really such a minimal part of the, the story itself and not mm-hmm. what the book is about. And I came back and my girlfriend was like, no, Gabrielle, you have to write about that shit. It was like an episode of CSI. You had <laughs> like so many people are going to relate to that. So I yeah. went back and, and did the first two chapters to kind of like expound on, um, 
on all of the details. <laughs> I loved it so much. The one thing that I took away from that relationship with your husband and with his mistress was your ability to forgive him, which was very, I'm sure, very difficult to do. So what was your process towards forgiveness? Were you able to forgive him quickly or like how long did it take you and what was your like process of doing that? I think I was lucky because we had been unhappy for six months. I was not in, you know, what I eventually understood was no longer in love with him, but didn't love him anymore in that way. So I wasn't dealing with heartbreak. I was dealing with betrayal and rage. Um, and you know, that my best friend had done something so horrible to me and like put my body at risk and just, you know, all of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't heartbroken. So I think I was lucky in that sense. The heartbreak obviously came later and the universe was like, psych. Um, (laughs) but I think that as far as forgiveness, and I just did an episode on my podcast, FML talk about this, where it's not for them. It's for you. you. The only thing that you're doing when you don't forgive someone is hold that within yourself and hurt yourself. Um, so for me, I needed to forgive him so that I could move on and not hold any negative energy within me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it just wasn't worth it. He's not worth it. It wasn't worth it. And, you know, I get asked all the time, there's been recent, uh, events where, he has um, resurfaced, sent mm-hmm. some very narcissistic DMs and then hacked into two of my social media accounts and illegally shut them down. Okay. Uh, it's been a, a whole thing. And even after all of that, like, I just feel sorry for him mm-hmm. that he's so, you know, warped in his own mind that he can't just step back and let someone that he did something so bad to be, yeah. you know? And I've never named him publicly. I've never, you know, said his actual identity. I even after all the ha- the hacking stuff took place, because um, he's just a character in my story at this point. Mm. And when when you can get to that detached place of like, yes, I was married to this person. Yes, they said vows to me that were spewed bullshit at the altar, um, and they now, you know, try to harm me in different ways they're not a part of you anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you can detach that and be like, yeah, I mean, like he's the guy I was married to, but he's really doesn't matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. I think you can get to a place of like, what's the point of holding negativity towards yeah. him? You know? Yeah. I think that's powerful too, because you have all this power that you could ruin his life with. And I think that he gave you multiple opportunities along the way of your divorce or even after for you to basically ruin him and take him down and take him for all his worth, but you didn't. I think it was like that is speaks to your power and your ability of just feeling for other people in a way that is very impressive. And I wanted to commend you on that because someone, especially in like hurt like that, could easily be like, well, let's just ruin him and drag him, <laughs> especially publicly after all of the things that you've built but I like that you still, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. When, when I got that DM from him, it was like, you know, all you do is make these videos and imagine what you could do with your time. If you actually spent that doing something worthwhile. And it's like, 
God, this person is so far gone. They can't even see that that's a business strategy and that those stupid little videos that take me five minutes to film sell, sell thousands and thousands and thousands of books and then help thousands and thousands of people heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you can't reason with someone like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's good to know that. Yeah. And that's why we're sitting here right now. It's one of those silly videos. Yeah. <laughs> <quote unquote. laughs> um, a lot of your story for me seemed like this idea of love and finding different aspects of it. And I think you found it along the journey. So can you relate to me on like how, what you learned about love in the process? Cause you went through this insane breakup and this insane divorce and then fell right in love right away and then fell out of it. So what was like love throughout this process? Like for you of the different types and how did you work through that along your way? Well, it's interesting to reflect back on that now, uh, knowing the things that I know and that you know years of my life have continued on after what people read in Eat, Pray, FML. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't know the term love bombing at oh. the time. Um, and for those that are listening that don't know what that is, it's basically when you enter into a relationship and everything starts happening very, very quickly. It's like, Mm -hmm. you're automatically the girlfriend. You're automatically meeting family. Oh my God, I love you. Oh my God, go to Europe with me. You know, all the things because that person on the other end has some type of void within Mm -hmm. themselves and they see something in you that makes them feel better. So they think that more of you can fill that up within themselves which eventually they realize can't happen because nobody can fill that void within you except yourself. Mm. And when that realization happens, they bail or run or pull back. Um, And I now know that that's what was happening with Javier and I. I, at the time, had no clue what that was. So it just felt like the most real and amazing love I had ever experienced. Um, And then to have that taken away from you at the height of a honeymoon stage, Mm -hmm. when the other person was the one perpetuating all of it is so confusing, so devastating. It's like, you're just left being like, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't ask to be in this situation and now you're leaving. Um, And it was really my first experience with heartbreak. You know, I've Mm -hmm. had many relationships throughout my life in the past, but this was the one that broke me. Um, And I had never experienced that before. It's still looking back on it was a very huge lesson for me to learn. Um, I wouldn't change any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And really experiencing that type of intoxicating love is for me, when I realized that that love and the thing that he and I shared was toxic in the end Mm. was now I had to redefine my, my understanding of love. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, Hey, Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. In the second book, you know, this is a lot of what what gets written about and where I 
was trying to find my way through, but I had had this, this experience with this man. And now it was like, well, if I don't feel that that's, it's not enough and something's missing. Mm -hmm. Um, little did I know I was searching for something that wasn't healthy in the first Mm -hmm. place. So I had to really like redefine my definition of love to be like, okay, that's not the example I want to be looking for. Um, and there are so many other things that are more important in a relationship than that thing. And that thing is often toxic when you really step back and look at the facts of a relationship. Yeah, that's major, especially because I feel like media especially puts that thing, that love bombing almost, that crazy like, oh, I'm obsessed with you. I can't take my hands off you. That is put on a pedestal and what we think is the ultimate. So it can be hard to find other signs of it in real life because I think a lot of times we have the fairy tale idea of love or that idea of like you cannot be away from this person. But I feel like real love looks so different and oftentimes it's not that hot and heavy. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's slower. I know love can play differently for everyone, but what – How did you start to look for that positive aspect of love that you were trying to find? Was it like looking towards your other people or other relationships? Like, how did you figure that out for yourself? Well, I think it started with, I needed to love myself first Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to do that. Um, People always say, you know, you have to love yourself first before you can love someone else or loving yourself is the most important thing. And I was like, okay, cool guys. I get it. Um, can anyone let me know how to do that? Yeah. (laughs) And nobody could give me a clear explanation on how to love yourself. So I knew when I was on my Europe trip that that's something I was searching for. I didn't, I I got pieces of it on my Mm -hmm. journey. I didn't necessarily put it all together until I came back, which is why it's written in the epilogue of eat, pray, FML, but it's called the self-love cocktail. And what you do is you sit down and you write out a list of things that you're capable of giving yourself that your soul loves, not Mm. that you need from your man or a parent or a friend, things that you can give yourself daily that make your soul happy. And you commit to doing things on that list every single day. At first, it's like one or two things. It'll be a stiffer cocktail, like a vodka martini. And then you continuously show up and do those things till you can add in more ingredients and it becomes like a fun mixology cocktail. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you wake up feeling so much better and it's because you're loving yourself. Mm -hmm. When I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves, it was mind blowing to me Mm -hmm. because then I could actually have something to do. I had a checklist. I had something that I could control. I didn't need to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I love you, Gabrielle, and feel like a freaking psycho. Yeah. Um, I mean, like more power to you if you can do if that. That's like, what it, it is. Yeah. Didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, so it was really life-changing when I realized that. So that was the first step that I mm-hmm. needed to, to figure out. That's not to say that if you're in a relationship and you don't really love yourself, that you can't learn how to do that while you're in that relationship. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, But for me, I I really needed to get that piece of the puzzle into place. After that, and this comes up a lot in the the Ridiculous Misadventures, is I had to rediscover what love felt like because it came wrapped in a totally not what I was expecting package. And I fought it a lot. Was like, Mm -hmm. this isn't, this isn't the person I'm supposed to end up with. Like, this is missing or this is different and this. And I had to really walk through a lot of my own fear um, before I was able to accept that type Mm -hmm. of love. And it really 
taught me a lot about getting out of your own way mm. and not letting fear of past things dictate how you operate moving forward. Yeah, that's a major, major point. But I mean, all of that is so helpful. And I think there's that quote from, what is it, Perks of Being a Wallflower, that we accept the love that we think that, think that we deserve. And then changing that idea of what you think you deserve is going to change what you what love you're calling into your life. Um, I think, yeah, it all starts with yourself because when you're not loving yourself, and I know everyone says to do that, but if you're truly not, then you're how is anyone going to love you yeah. from the outside? Well, because you're literally telling the universe what you're okay with. Yeah. So if you're okay with the bare minimum that you're giving to yourself, of mm-hmm. course the universe is going to send you a guy that's going to give you the bare minimum. That's what you're saying. I'm I'm okay with. I approve this message. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Another um, thing that you leaned on in the book that I want you to break down for me is the thought onion, which I think is very powerful because if I have in my past have gone through like telling negative self-talk or just telling myself what I think is true or what I think other people's other people think of me or anything that you can tell yourself. But I love that you remove the layers of whatever your thoughts are to get to that deeper spot. So talk me through your thought onion and how it works. So the thought onion is basically my technique that I came up with to really analyze your thoughts and reactions in order to see what's under the surface and what you're holding within you subconsciously that needs to be addressed or healed. So you look at it like an onion (laughs) and the first layer is the superficial thought. And that's really your knee jerk reaction when something happens, like before you can even really process it, the initial thought or reaction that comes out in the situation. And you take a step back and peel that layer back and you get to the authentic thought. Mm-hmm. And that's usually once you've you know sat and thought about it for a few minutes, the emotion that caused that knee-jerk reaction in the first place. So it's a little deeper than the, the initial sur- superficial thought. And then you step back and peel that layer back and you get to the subconscious thought. And when you can get to that layer, that's usually a trauma that you experienced, a situation that was very impactful in your life a belief that you've been carrying for a very long time. And when you can get to that layer, that's when you can be like, okay, this is something that I need to heal or adjust or work on in order to have a different reaction in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a really way to, you know, heal yourself when you can get to those subconscious layers without needing, you know, to sit with a therapist and yeah. you can do it. You know, I've done thought onions five minutes while I'm walking on the street. I've done them, you know, over the span of 24 hours when I really need to like sit and marinate on them. But some of the things that I've uncovered from doing it is life-changing and Mm -hmm. really has allowed me to look at things that have happened in my life that are now dictating, you know, things that I'm experiencing on a day-to-day current basis from Mm -hmm. years and years and years ago. I think that's so interesting because we can have all these ideas of ourselves or traumas that we've gone through or experiences from childhood or anything that we've built up that kind of interprets interprets how our life is now. And I think when you just look on things on the surface, it doesn't really seem like they're connected. But when you like you do remove those layers, take things back. If you're working on yourself at all, I think that's very helpful to do because a lot of the times the things that we're manifesting or doing or anything that's happening in life is related to that younger self who had experienced trauma. And it can be like really major trauma or just like someone stole my lollipop and I have all these ideas around that. And now I've created my life around this 
trauma that I had as a kid. So I think that's a really powerful too and something that's really practical that everyone can do. Um, so thank you for walking me through that. Yeah. I, I think that when people can realize that those subconscious beliefs are literally like having someone in the driver's seat that isn't you and you've mm-hmm. just been on autopilot and you don't understand why every time something happens to you, the car swerves to the right. Mm-hmm. And when you can get to that subconscious layer, that's why the car is swerving right. And if you can adjust and fix and heal that, and sometimes it's even just being aware of it. Sometimes yeah. there's not anything to necessarily do. Um, then you can recorrect the car and be in control again. Yeah. It gives you that ability to be in control of your own life, which a lot of times we don't feel like we are. And it's nice to have a practice that can help you do that. So that's great. This huge journey that you went on, and a lot of it was related to love of self, of others. Like, What was your biggest revelation of love within yourself and then outside of yourself and other relationships that you found during that eat, pray, love, eat, pray, fuck my life process? Um, God, that's like such a heavy question. I think it'll, for the the love of myself, it goes back to that massive realization I had about the abandonment um, mm-hmm. that I'll never abandon myself. And I think you can interchange that with love. Um, when you realize you love yourself and you can stand firm in that self-love, you no longer need or care the outside places that it's coming from because you have that within yourself. Mm. Um, so it's the same thing that people say is like, if your cup's filled up, you're not looking for other people to pour into your cup. You're just happy to then like cheers someone at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that for the self-love as far as for external love, I mean, I, the, the relationship that I had with my ex-husband, I still to this day don't think I was in love with him. Um, mm-hmm. I loved him as a person, of course, like I married him. Yeah. Um, but it it was vastly different from any of the other loves I've had after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship I had with Javier, I think what it taught me most was that I cannot give up myself just because I love someone else. Mm. Um, and that was a big one for me because so many times we've, you know, been programmed and romanticized around love that, you know, that's your person, that's your everything, like protect at all costs and, you know, go to battle for them. And that's not healthy. Um, you shouldn't have to compromise yourself for the person on the other end of the partnership. And I did that a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. and continued to do so, which people will read about in the second book in different ways. And that was a really big life lesson for me. And that's Mm -hmm. not even in a necessarily only in a romantic relationship. It's with any, any partnership, any dynamic um, to not give up yourself for the other person. Absolutely. With these findings in this process, without giving away what happens in your next book, how did you come to the love that you're in now? Like how did that relationship happen for you? Were you ready for it? Had you like done all the work and then you were just ready to fall into it? Or did you still have to do that work going into this relationship? No. Wouldn't that have been so easy though? No. <laughs> was just no, done. Um, I was yeah. absolutely not ready. Um, and that's, you know, our entire relationship journey is in the second book. You meet him, you see like how we got to where we are. I mean, that's no spoiler that we're together now. You can see that all over my Instagram page, <laughs> but it was a freaking journey to get there. Um, and even the, my readers that follow me like very, very closely and are, you know, on the podcast and everything, 
I don't even think they're prepared to read about really like what it took for us to get to where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is now, you know, one of the health, not one of the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, and I feel like I, and he, he would attest to this after he read the book, which, you know, obviously was painful in different ways, um, that all of that had to happen for us to end up the people we are and where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, it wouldn't have worked if I was just like, cool, you're my new boyfriend and call it a day. We're done. It, It wouldn't have worked and we wouldn't be the couple that we are today. I think a lot of times when you're in a relationship and people come into your life, they mirror things that you need to either look at or fix or adjust or pay attention to within yourself. Like they bring out things in you. Um, and this was such a prime example of that. And those things that were getting brought out, those fears that I was now looking at in a mirror were the worst fears that that there could be. Um, Mm -hmm. and it really made me always have one foot out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really me having to walk through all of that while redefining my now warped definition of love and knowing that I deserve the healthy love. That was the biggest challenge to get Mm -hmm. to where we are. I think that's such a beautiful like picture into what love is and what its relationships are, because I think we think of relationships as it's going to be the happy ever after and then I don't have to do any more work and everything just falls into place and everything works. But I think that's when actually like the real work begins because like you said, they are mirrors. They're going to show you all the things that you like about yourself and all the things that you hate about yourself and having to face that head on in order to make it work essentially with another person is a very interesting dance. But if it's for the right person, it's worth it. And if for you, especially for like that self-love relationship, it's definitely worth it to get past those things. So absolutely. I'm and I think those are those are the the strongest relationships when two people can come together, recognize those things and work on them to grow together. That's when the real, you know, fairy tale stuff starts to happen because it's it's real life and you're yeah. you're growing and changing with this person that's still allowing you to do that on your own. Yeah. It's that solid foundation that you're building together for sure. Wow. I've learned a lot from this. Thank you. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have my final questions that I ask everyone. Uh, They're just three, very simple. And then I think that's all I have for you. So first, Gabrielle, what would you hope with the work that you do or just in life in general, what do you hope to be remembered by? I feel like this is such a lame answer. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe that's my own bullshit that I'm projecting. (laughs) Um, uh, The the books that I've written, um, it's been the best thing that I've done in my life thus far. The amount of DMs and messages that I get from people all over the world um, that have either left an abusive relationship or decided to leave a toxic marriage or decided to stay and fight for their relationship or have just healed in some form because I have a lot of readers that don't you know relate on the relationship level because there's heartbreak and grief is universal whether you're yeah. in a relationship or not. Yeah. Um, but those messages and knowing that the crazy stuff that I went through was so worth it because it's helping so many other people heal, Mm. um, has been life-changing for me. So the fact that those are in book form, that even long after I'm gone, you know, new people can discover and, and read and heal from is, 
a big, big blessing. And I'm really thankful for that. It's like such a beautiful spin to so much heartache and so much that you had to go through, which is really powerful. So with the concept of sharing on the theme of this podcast, is there anything that you've shared or overshared that you wish you could take back or say differently? Because you've <laughs> shared pretty much everything. Um, I feel like I've overshared my entire life since this <laughs> book came out, but um, and like every podcast episode I do. But uh, that's a tough one. I always end up hitting the wall of like, well, do you really regret everything? Because that's why you're here. Yeah. Um, I, I won't say it's something that I regretted, but I will say it was difficult to have all of the conversations with my current boyfriend over the process of writing this book. Um, mm. And that to me, like, I wish he never had to read. He knew everything going mm-hmm. into it. Um, he knew all of the the elements that were going to take place, but to read details about things, um, that sucks. And, and I carried that really heavily on my heart while writing it because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to authentically show up for my readers and for myself and to do the story justice. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's never something I would want my significant other to have to sit down and read. Um, so I would consider that a big overshare, not that I wish I could take back, but that mm-hmm. like, I guess I wish that I would have acted differently. So I could have overshared different details. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. Cause you want to be true to yourself and your story, but you also want to like protect your significant other, because I've, I've noticed that too, with just like the work that I do is like sharing what I want to share is also sharing what he wants to share. Cause we're in a relationship together and like deciding what's right for both of us is a different. It's a difficult balance to have because each person might have different ideas of like what's okay. Yeah. It's tricky when you're writing about real people, you know? Um, And it's, I, I feel lucky that I have someone that's supported me and had my back in that a hundred percent. I don't think any other man could have dealt with my lifestyle and, you know, the fact that I talk about my exes every single day. (laughs) Have you seen sex life on Netflix? I have, I have. (laughs) It's kind of reminding me of that when he reads all of your stuff in a different way, but yeah. Wait till you read the second book. You'll be like, oh, 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 great. So maybe it's the same. (laughs) same. (laughs) Um, Last question I have any, it could be related to what we talked about or just general advice, any last piece of advice that you can leave us off with? Yeah. I would say for anyone that's dealing with any sort of heartache or sadness or grief or just anything that feels like they're isn't going to be any reprieve. Um, I will remind you that everything happens for a reason, whether you can see it or not. And I can promise that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is more beautiful than you could ever, ever imagine. So keep going. Mm, That's beautiful. I'm going to quote that. (laughs) I'm going to write that out. That was awesome. Gabrielle, where can everyone find you? Social media, book, the new book, your podcast, all of that good stuff. All the stuff. Um, So I am on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone and TikTok is at Gabrielle underscore Stone. And the book is Eat, Pray, FML, available exclusively on Amazon. And that's in paperback, hardcover, ebook, audiobook, which I narrate. Um, and the second book can also be found on Amazon. It's called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. All of that is also on the website with all of our podcast merch, which is eatprayfml.com. 
Love it. I actually listened to the audiobook for Eat, Pray, FML, and it's very fun because it's like animated and you can tell that you're an actress and like all the voices. And you feel like you know me by the end of it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for this. Um, I love this conversation and I was so happy to sit down with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.